Well, good morning, church. Isn't it great to be in God's house today? I'm glad that you're here. It's, uh, uh, for me, for myself, it's, it's a great honor and privilege to be able to, to share God's word this morning. And uh, I thank y'all for, for being here. And I thank you for our coming to participate and to worship our God because he is worth it. Amen? Uh, Gary shared just a little bit last week about our trip to uh, Honduras, and I just wanted to say, you know, it was, when, when I go on a trip, most not anybody to tell you this, the trip that you're on at that time is the best trip you've ever been on, okay? And, and that, was, that was no exception. That's one of the best trips I've ever been on. I want to I want to just uh, acknowledge God because he was the one that did everything. We just went, and we, did, we were just his hands and feet. But uh, I was thrilled to death to have, to, to have Gary and Coombe, they were this first-time mission trip for this, the Tyler family, this first-time mission trip for them, Burgert's his first-time mission trip for them. I mean, it, we had so many people, this were, these were first-timers, and, and they went and, and they got to see God really do some incredible things. Uh, we, we, we had as many as pretty close to 190 kids a couple of days in our good news club. And I mean, that's just, some of the kids walked for miles to get there. Uh, they were so excited about coming this many times and they would, they would have stayed with us all afternoon and all night. And then the next day they didn't care. They were there to have a good time. And so, uh, it was really neat to see that. And we had teachers that came and sponsored them and spent time with them and they weren't getting paid for that. So they came and they did, they did something way outside of what, the, of what their responsibility was because they wanted to see the kids come and learn about God, learn about Jesus, learn about what Jesus did for them. So uh, all in all, it just really, really good time. When we went out and did some evangelistic uh, visits, uh, I know uh, Adrian was in my group and she shared the Vanjie Cube and some people prayed and man, I mean, it changed her. It changed her face to a big old giant smile and put a song in her heart. And Carrie, Carrie Tyler had, had never shared the Lord with anybody, and they had prayed. And, and it was funny because Wilna was on her team, and she shared the gospel. And whenever she asked if they would like to pray, they said yes. And she turned around to Wilna and she said, they said yes. They said yes. What do we do now? It's like, that's cool. Whenever you've never had the opportunity to lead anyone to the Lord, and they say yes. That changes your life. She'll never be the same because of that. And our younger, not our youngest daughter, but Caitlin, she shared the Vanjie Cube with a group of kids. And Gary told you last week. But when she started talking, the kids zipped it. They didn't even talk. They were focused on her and what she was saying. That's God. Because he was using this little old girl that, can, that you can barely hear her voice because it's not like mine. But you could hear, barely hear a voice, and if I hadn't had a microphone stuck up to her, you wouldn't have heard her. But she was sharing the gospel from her heart. And what's, what's really incredible about her even sharing the gospel is her parents were surprised that she said, yes, she would do this when I asked her. I was surprised. I figured I was going to have to talk, to talk her into it. When I asked her, she said, yeah. I was like, okay, well, that's great. We'll work on this, and we'll get it nailed down. And she never did waver. She continued every time we met. She continued to learn, and, and I'm, just so, I'm just so glad that we have a God that allows us to do, to do stuff like this. He doesn't need us. 
just like this morning, he didn't, he didn't need me to be up here. He could do it without me, but he allows us to do this. And I'm going to tell you something this morning. There ain't no rock going to cry out any louder than me, amen? I'm going to tell you right now that I love Jesus with all my heart, and there's no rock going to ever yell louder than me. You can ask those kids in that, in that, in that uh, church. They, I, had them, I had them going, and, and so did Casey when she was teaching the stuff. And thank you, Casey, for stepping up over there. I appreciate that. But the kids, the kids just loved uh, us being able to come. So I'm going to say thank you, church, for sending us. Thank you for sending us. Thank you for praying for us. And thank you, Lord, for allowing us to be able to do that. So this morning, uh, I just want to talk to you. And uh, the title of my message this morning is, In Whom Do You Believe? And we're going to be in John 12, starting in verse 37. And John is painting a picture here of Jesus' last days. Jesus is ending his public ministry, and now we'll spend time with those who love him. He's not in, the, he's not in, in, in with the regular people anymore. He's with his disciples and, and his followers. And John's emphasizing the fact that Jesus is God. And that he has a special mission. What was that mission? To bring salvation to the entire world. Amen? Okay, now, I, I usually sit down here and say amen. When I, when that, when that, y'all going to have to say amen for me. Amen? amen? Thank you. Thank you very much. Okay. In this text, Jesus is making his final appeal to the nation of Israel. Now, they rejected him over and over. And today, Jesus is still making his appeal to Israel. Also, to those in this room and to those who will see or hear this message, we never know the day or the time, and this could be his final appeal. This could be his final appeal to those who have rejected him and still have not believed. Jesus is saying in this text, he's saying, I am. Without a doubt, Jesus is God. I want to share something with you that was sent to me close to 10 years ago whenever, whenever somebody knew that I got, I got all excited about Jesus. And, and they said, uh, maybe you need to share this at that time. And I've not heard it in I don't know how many years, but I want to share this with you this morning. And it says, uh, this is my God. He is the first and the last. He is the beginning and the end. He is the keeper of creation and the creator of all. He is the architect of the universe and the manager of all times. He was, he is, and he always will be. Unmoved, unchanged, undefeated, and never undone. He was bruised and brought healing. He was pierced and eased pain. He was persecuted and brought freedom. He was dead and brought life. He was risen and brings power. He reigns and brings peace. The world cannot understand him. Armies cannot defeat him. The schools can't explain him. The leaders couldn't ignore him. Herod couldn't kill him. The Pharisees couldn't confuse him. And people couldn't hold him down. Nero couldn't crush him. Hitler couldn't silence him. New Age can't explain him. And no one, no one was able to replace him with anything. He is light. He is love. He is longevity. And he is Lord. He is goodness, kindness, gentleness, and God. He is holy, righteous, mighty, powerful, and pure. His ways are right. His word is eternal. 
His word is unchanging, and he is on my mind because he is my redeemer and he is my savior. Amen? He is my guide and he is my peace. He is my joy. He is my comfort and he is my Lord. And he rules my life. I serve him because his bond is love. His burden is light and his goal for me is abundant life. I follow him because he is the wisdom of the wise, the power of the powerful, the ancient of the days, the ruler of the rulers, the leader of the leaders, the overseer of the overcomers, and the sovereign Lord of all that was and is and is to come. He will never leave me, nor forsake me, never mislead me, nor forget me, never overlook me, and never cancel my appointment in his appointment book. Amen? Amen. His goal is a relationship with me. When I fall, he lifts me up. When I fail, he forgives. When I am weak, he is strong. When I am lost, he is the way. When I am afraid, he is my courage. When I stumble, he steadies me. When I hurt, he heals me. When I am broken, he mends me. When I am blind, he leads me. When I am hungry, he feeds me. When I face trials, he is with me. When I face persecution, he shields me. When I face problems, he comforts me. <sighs> when I face loss, he provides for me. When I face death, he carries me home. He is everything for everybody, everywhere, every time, in every way. He is God. He is faithful. I am his and he is mine. Amen? God is in control. I am on his side. And this means all is well with my soul. And understand this. God said it. I believe it. And that settled it. Amen? Thank you, Lord, for being our, for being our everything. In this scripture, Jesus is saying, I am. I am the one whom God sent. I am the light of the world. I am the savior of the world. Man, I am the father's son. I am the only way to the father, and I am the only way to get into heaven. He makes it very clear here there's no other way. You know what? That goes against a lot of what we're hearing in today's world. We're hearing that there are multiple ways to get into heaven, and some would say you can almost write your own ticket. But that's not what God says. In Acts 4.12 it says, Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. No other name. But you know what? In Genesis 6.3, God, uh, or excuse me, in Genesis 6.3, it tells us that God's Spirit will not be with us forever. What am I talking about? I believe we're in the end times. And God can end everything at any moment in the twinkling of an eye. So my question for you today is, will you be ready to stand before God? Will you be ready to stand before God? Have you made that crucial choice? And we all have the opportunity to trust in Jesus while the, the blood still runs warm through our veins. But once Jesus returns or you die, it's over. It's over. It's too late at that point. We put off to tomorrow what we, what we should do today and think we'll, we'll do it later. And it'll be okay. We'll just do it later. But it was too late for the people who were standing outside the boat that Noah built when the flood came. 
It was too late for the people in Sodom and Gomorrah when the fire and the brimstone came raining down. Sadly, it may be too late for America on the road that we're heading down. But you know something? We live in a period of time known as grace. And it's not too late for you today. Praise the Lord. So we're going to go to our text in John 12, 37 through 50. And uh, I'm not changing things. I'm not asking you to do anything that's crazy or whatever. But when we were in Honduras, this is what they did. And I'm going to ask us to do this this morning. So would you stand for the reading of God's word? I'm not saying we're going to do this every Sunday. I'm not, I'm just, we're just going to do it today, okay? In verse 37, it says, Even after Jesus had performed so many signs in their presence, they still would not believe in him. Wow. It was to fulfill the word of Isaiah the prophet. Lord, who, ha- who has believed our message? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For this reason... They could not believe because, as Isaiah says says elsewhere, he he has blinded their eyes and hardened their hearts so they can neither see with their eyes nor understand with their hearts nor turn, and I would heal them. Isaiah said this because he saw Jesus' glory and he spoke about him. Yet at the same time, many even among the leaders believed in him. But because of the Pharisees, They would not openly acknowledge your faith for fear they would be put out of the synagogue. For they loved human praise more than they loved the praise of God. Then Jesus cried out, Whoever believes in me does not believe in me only, but in the one who sent me. The one who looks at me is seeing the one who sent me. I have come into the world as a light, so that no one who believes in me shall stay in darkness. If anyone hears my words but does not keep them, I do not judge that person, for I did not come to judge the world but to save the world. There is a judge for the one who rejects me and does not accept my words. The very words I have spoken will condemn them at the last day. For I did not speak on my own, but the Father who sent me commanded me to say all that I have spoken. I know that his commands lead to eternal life, so whatever I say is just what the Father has told me. Let's pray. Thank you, Father, for loving us. Thank you for giving us your Son. Thank you for giving us this Word. Thank you, Father. You're a good, good, good Father. So I praise you today, and I say thank you. And I ask this in Jesus' name. You may be seated. You know, today we celebrate Father's Day, and and whenever I was... was, uh, Preparing this, I see the word Father over and over in this passage. And I'm thinking that we have, that we have a Father. I mean, I'm thankful for my earthly Father. But I'm thankful that we have a Father, a Heavenly Father, that shows us what real love is like. A Heavenly Father that, 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 it, that shows us in a way that, that which should be easy for us to understand. It should be easy for us to see that He loves us without a doubt. He has provided for us in so many ways. And so I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful for that. In this passage, we see three different types of believers that I want to point out to you this morning. We see the unbelievers in 37 through 40. 
John says all these things were done for the whole world to see. For the whole world to see, but yet some didn't see it. He went on to write in John 21, 25, he says, Jesus did many other things as well. If every one of them were written down, I suppose that even the whole world would not have room for the books that would be written. The whole world? Wow, that is a lot. We think, we think sometimes that what he wrote down is in here. But this is, only, this is only the tip of the iceberg, folks. What Jesus did was without a doubt just it, huge. It was huge. And all the things he did was just, just off the chart. So he did so many things. Jesus expelled demons. He controlled nature. He walked on the water. He healed people. He revealed thoughts to people. He raised people from the dead. And on and on and on. We could, I could just stand up here all day long and just talk about the different things he did that, I, that, that are written down that I can read. But John says there's so many that if it, even the whole world couldn't hold the books that was all written down. But despite all the signs and the wonders, we've heard all kinds of excuses why people can't or don't want to come to know Jesus. Most of the time, their answers are inconsistent and irrational. Some people will say that they just need more time or they just need more information so that they can make a decision. Well, often when people say they need more, more time, what they're saying is they don't really want to give up those things that they like to do. I know, been there, done that. They don't really want God to come in and change the lifestyle that they're enjoying. Now, I remember telling a man about Jesus several years ago, and as I witnessed to him and, 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 he, and asked him if he had any questions, he said, yeah, well, what about the whooping? I said, what are you talking about? And he said, what about all the good times? What he, what he was afraid of is he was afraid that Jesus would want him to clean house, would want him to stop doing those things that's, not dis, that's dis, displeasing to God the things that God doesn't like. And he didn't want that. He was not willing to make that choice. So he said, no, he rejected Jesus. And this morning, I want to make it very clear, very clear. God has given us all the information that we need, all that we need. He not only has given us information, but he gave us a giant billboard called Calvary so we could see and we would know exactly how much he loved us. He loved us so much that he allowed his son to be nailed to that cross for our sin, for your sin, and for my sin. Can I get an amen? amen. Thank you very much. Can I get a hallelujah? hallelujah? That's right. All right. Well, but the attitude that some believers have is, well, you know, I can control when I accept Jesus. I can control this. I can, I can say yes whenever I get ready. And I'm going to do it on my timetable and according, according, to, what, according to what I want to do. But it, that's not the way it works. You see, the Bible says that God draws. The Holy Spirit draws you. In John 6, 4, it says, No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him. He makes it very clear. No one can come to me unless the Father draws, draws them. See, when the Holy Spirit pricks your heart, that's the time to act. That's the time to act. You cannot continue in your sin and think that it's okay with God. He may just turn you over to your sin as he did in Romans 12, 8. He finally got tired of it and the Bible says, so God gave them over 
to their deprived mind. God gave them a sad place to be. That's a scary place to be. John notes that Israel rejected Jesus over and over. And because he did, because they rejected him over because he did not come as they expected. And he was not who they expected. Now let me ask you something. How many times have things turned out differently than you expected? How can our finite minds, how can our pea brains start to understand God? We can't. It's impossible. You know what? I'm glad that Jesus is far beyond anything that I ever expected or could ever imagine. Amen? He is far beyond that. Now, God knew what Israel was going to do, okay? And Isaiah prophesied about it. But God did not let Israel's rejection derail his plan for salvation to the entire world. In the same way, God knows what you're going to do concerning salvation. And his plan can either include you or not. But that is your free will choice. God's not going to make you do anything. He has given us all the opportunity to make that choice on our own. Now let's look at the silent believers in verse 42 and 43. Notice the word many. So it wasn't just a few people that were that fallen into this category. It wasn't just a few people that, that said no to Jesus and stood by silently. Also notice the word among the leaders. So you see it went all the way from the president to the peon, all the people in between. The leaders that should have been stepping out, that should have been setting the example, they were rejecting Jesus. They were, saying, they were staying quiet when they should have been speaking up. Now, there were problems back then, and there's problems here today the very same way. John wrote about these silent believers back then, but, you know, we still have that problem in today's church. Why? Because people are more worried about what others think than about what God thinks. More worried about what others think. Silent believers were afraid to go to the synagogue slash church and confess Jesus because of the Pharisees. What did, what did Jesus call the Pharisees? Hypocrites, right? He called them several things. But do you see the parallel? Do you see the comparison between then and now? One of the big excuses that I've heard for not attending church is, I'm not going to church because the church is full of what? Hypocrites. Hypocrites. So, but, but let me tell you something. That's just an excuse. I've used it before, and I've heard it from so many people. It's just an excuse. It's just an excuse like I need more time or I need more information. But it's just an excuse, and everybody's got an excuse, just like everybody's got noses, amen? So what about people who come to church and do not confess Jesus publicly? Or what about those who, ex- who want to accept that free gift, but they don't because they're afraid they're afraid to, uh, uh, to walk down the aisle because they're think what, afraid of what people might think or what people might say when they came forward or when they come forward and, and when they, they come forward for prayer, it's like, well, they're going to think that I'm a sinner. If I go down there, they're going to think I'm a sinner. You know what the Bible says? All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. That means you're a sinner. 
If you, if you come down here and ask for forgiveness for, for your sin, hey, we've all, we've all either done that or need to do that. That's not something that we should look down on people on, but something we should rejoice over. It's just like these two young men when we were in Honduras that came forward on Sunday morning. They weren't even members in that church. They walked in, heard the word, God convicted them, they came forward. That is the Holy Spirit moving. Every church member in that little church, every church member came up, prayed for them, prayed over them, and hugged on them and told them they loved them. That right there is God moving. That right there is we're not condemn you because you go forward because you have sin in your life. No, we love on you because we've all been there. We've all done that. That's what? That's a, that's a huge difference that we don't always see because, uh, oh, man, I know why they're going down there. Well, let me tell you something. I'm a sinner. When you see me down there praying, it's because, I, because I'm not perfect. You know, I will tell you what it says in Matthew ten thirty-two and thirty-three. What it says about uh, these people. It says they come down forward and acknowledge Jesus. It says, "Whoever acknowledges me before others, I will also acknowledge before my Father in heaven. But whoever disowns me before others, I will disown." before my father in heaven you know i don't know about y'all but when i read this several years ago when god got a hold of me and i started reading the bible again since i since way before when i was a kid that verse scared me to death whoever disowns me i will disown them wow a public confession is involved and i want to emphasize the word public or in front of others because you see, if you can't confess Jesus, if you can't show Jesus you love him right here in the church, then you'll never confess Jesus in the world. Because you're going to be about around a whole bunch of people that really will look down on you and wonder what's going on then. Man, it's got to be a public confession. And I know it's hard. But if you're ashamed of the name of Jesus, that puts you in a very scary place when you stand before the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. A very scary place. And that's what got my attention years ago because I could see myself, I had a vision of myself in front of Jesus, just like this. And he asked me, who have you told about me? And what, I, what I've done in your life scared me to death because at that point I had not said a single word to anybody. I, don't want, I didn't want to be in that position. I don't want you to be in that position. You know, sign-up believers were afraid they'd be shut out of the synagogue. So they didn't want to go up there because the Pharisees would get mad and take away their synagogue pass, so to speak. In today's world, silent believers are not acknowledging their faith because of their fearful of what they may lose. Sometimes it might be their job. Some jobs would do that. They might be afraid that they'd lose their friends. If you're afraid you lose your friend, you need to get new friends. Sometimes they be they're fr they're afraid because they might be labeled a holy roller or a Jesus freak. You know what? I'm proud to be a Jesus freak. Amen. I'm proud to be a Jesus freak. 
Silent believers are the ones who don't speak up when someone in the crowd tells an off-color joke because they don't want to be different than anybody else. The ones who go along when they know it's against God's word, they, they know what it says right here. They know what it says. But I go along with it because I don't want to go against my friend, what my friend believes. And that's hard for everybody, whether it's young people or whether it's old people or whether it's people in between. We have a good friend, and, and, and we don't want to say anything because we're afraid that we're going to uh, uh, irritate them a little bit. But you know what? The whole thing is, why do they do it? Because they want the approval of the peers more than they want the approval of God. But God never, never intended us to be people pleasers. What he intended us to be was different. He called us to be different. He called us to be salt. He called us to be light. Have you ever got salt in a wound? It hurts really bad. Sometimes you need to be that salt to the person you're with. You need to speak up and you need to call them on it. That's what you call, that's what you call a good friend. Sometimes, I mean, it doesn't feel good, but sometimes, sometimes it, uh, uh, somebody will come into a room and flip a light switch on it. If you're laying there asleep, that really, that's really irritating, okay? Daddy used to do it whenever I was a kid. Come in, flip on the light, say, get up. It's like, oh, man. But you know what? We're called to be light. We're called to be light. And if we need to flip on the light so that they can see what's going on in their life, then that's what we're supposed to do. We're not called to sit back and, and let it go back. We're called to be irritators, if you want to call it that. You know, sometimes the cross that he's given us to carry, it, it, gets, it gets pretty heavy. And sometimes it hits other people's chins. Other people don't like that. But you and I have a choice. And that choice is we can carry the cross and we can make a difference or we can lay it down and become just like everybody else. Folks, as believers, as true believers, we don't need to be like everybody else. We need to be different. We need to be people that when they look at us, they don't wonder, are we a Christian? They know that we're a Christian. They know that we believe in Jesus Christ and that he died for us. They, they need to know that. I don't know your friends. If you don't tell your friends, who's going to tell them? It's a, it's a choice we each have to make. And let's look at the true believers in 44 through 46. The true believers... Know who Jesus is. Okay? They know he is God's only son. And if you love God, you have to love Jesus. And if you love Jesus, you have to love God. I mean, they're one and the same. And Jesus said that. He said, if, if you're seeing me, you're seeing the one who sent me. But he also goes on to say that he is the light of the world and to the world. Let me ask you something. You ever walk into a dark room? What do you do? You flip on a switch, you turn on the lights. What do you do if you're outside at night? You get a flashlight, you flip on the switch, you turn on the light. You turn on the light so you can see. So why is it that we choose to go through life in darkness without Jesus? Why would we do that when all we have to do is ask the light of the world to illuminate our lives? Why would we choose to walk around in darkness? To stub our toe, that hurts. To run into a wall, that hurts. 
all these things that could be eliminated if we just let Jesus illuminate stuff. But we don't want to do that because some bad that I'm trying to hide is going to show up. You know what? God already knows about it. You're not hiding anything. It's there. He knows about it. Nobody else may not, but he does, I guarantee you. Jesus said that no one who believes will remain in darkness. He said he's going to help us with that. No one who believes will remain in darkness. So I'm almost done. Let's look at verse 47. It says, Jesus said that he did not come to judge but to save. He came the first time as a Savior, and we have the opportunity to accept what he's done for us. But the next time he comes, he's going to come as a judge. He's going to come as a warrior king. It's not going to be the same Jesus at all. You and I will be judged on our words. Out of our mouths, our mouths have come the words, I accept Christ or I reject Christ. And your words spoken from your heart will determine where you spend eternity. Your words. Each one of us have that opportunity. Each one of us have that responsibility. Each one of us have that choice. It's going to be your words that condemn you. It's not going to be God. You either accept Jesus for who he is or you reject Jesus. Your words. Let me tell you something. If you have the opportunity to invite Jesus in your heart and you don't make that decision to accept him, then you made the decision to reject him. Because some people are going to say, well, I've never, I've never rejected Christ. If you don't accept him, you've rejected him. You cannot sit on the fence. There are no blurred lines when it comes to Jesus. You're the former against him. You can't ride the fence. You're not going to get into heaven on the fence. You're either going to be on the side where all the sheep are, or you're going to be on the side where all the goats are. And I told someone this in Africa several years ago. I said, you know what? I've shared with you today what the Bible says. And you've heard, you've heard uh, uh, me talking about Jesus and what he did for you. I said, when you're standing in the goat line and you look over at me in the sheep line, don't say you never told me, Joel, because I told you. I'm telling you this morning. You do not want to be in the goat line. You need to be in the sheep line. If you've accepted Christ, the Bible says you will spend eternity in heaven. Eternity. Wow, that's a long time in heaven with him. But if you rejected Christ, the Bible says that your own words condemn you to an eternity separated from God in a place called hell. Well, hell's not hardly brought up in the church anymore. It was brought up a lot when I was a kid. But we need to understand that that is a real place. Heaven is a real place. And the, the, the worst part of all of it is we're separated from God. We're in a place that's not perfect. Heaven is perfect. We're in a place that, that where, where there's, there's still sorrow. There's still, there's still uh, uh, well, the Bible says weeping and gnashing of teeth. Okay, I don't want to be in that place. Nor does God want you to be there. So we're talking about eternity. Now, a lot of people don't understand eternity, and, and I want you to understand that eternity is a long, long, long time, longer than you can possibly or I can possibly understand. But if I took a tiny grain of salt, a tiny grain of salt, and, and we're just going to say that tiny grain of salt represents your life. Okay, you live to be 75, 85, even 100 years old. That grain of salt represents your 100 years of life. And if you drop that grain of salt 
in the middle of this auditorium, you cannot find it. And that's what your life is like in comparison to eternity if this auditorium is eternity. It's nothing, folks. It's nothing. Your tiny bit of life, you tiny bit of stuff that people say, well, I don't want to give that up because that's fun. I don't want to give that up, and I don't want to accept Jesus because he's going to take away my whoopee. Tell you what, you need to do what you need to do, what, what uh, uh, Jesus came to die for you to take care of that problem, but only you can make that choice. And you need to make that choice because eternity is a long time. We don't have any idea, no conception of what eternity is. Just think about it. So what category do you fall in today? Unbeliever? Just like I said, you need to get it right. The Bible says today is the day of salvation. It, whenever, whenever I wrote that down, this is, what, this is what popped into my head. Several years ago, one of the first mission trips I went on several times in one place, we went to El Salvador. And in El Salvador, we went out to these different small churches from the, from the big city where we were staying. And these, this is what one guy said outside this little church where I'd been the previous two years. He said, you know what? You guys come here every year, and you say the same thing every year. You say, God, God's, God's going to, at some point, going to say, that's all. Jesus is going to return. That's going to be the end of it. And at that point... You're not going to have an opportunity to say, yes, I want to invite Jesus in my heart. And he said, he, had, he hadn't come so far. You've been, here, you've been here three years. Nothing different's changed. He said, for three years you've been coming, you've been preaching that, that, that we need to invite Jesus in our heart if we want to spend eternity in heaven. He said, I'm still here. Even though you said today may be your last day. That's the way it is. People hear it over and over and we become numb to it. People hear it over and over and say, well, that's tomorrow. I'll do it tomorrow because it's no big deal. My parents live to be, you know, 80-something years old, so will I. It's like, uh-uh. Things happen every day. You do not know when you're going to die. And you do not know, according to the Bible, when Jesus is coming back, and he may be back this afternoon. Yeah, we may be here next Sunday, and you can hear Brother Jeff preach. But then again, this, it all may be over. You do not know. So don't be like that guy in El Salvador that said, ha, huh, now nah, I'll see you again next year. Maybe you fall in the category of a silent believer. Maybe you just need to repent. You know, we're called to be salt and light. We're called to be different than everybody else. You can't sit on the sidelines when people, when we were saying this morning about David, he was irritated with Goliath because not because of, of, of because he was he was calling the army out he was irritated because he was calling God out we need to be the kind of believers we need to be the kind of believers that stand up for God that's what's wrong with our country we we sat by and now it's been taken over by the unbelievers who say we're not going to do this and you can't have prayer here and you can't do this you can't do that we can do something small we can do something small like I said a while ago of saying hey that ain't right. You're not supposed to say that. You're not supposed to talk that way. That's not what God wants you to do. In a loving way. Don't call them down that you're better than they are because none of us are better than anybody else. I'm just like, I'm just like <clears throat> Paul said, I'm the chief sinner, okay? I'm not up here today to, to, to call y'all down and say, I'm better than y'all. 
because I'm up here preaching. No, I'm the chief sinner, okay? I mess up just like everybody else. But whenever, whenever I mess up, I hope somebody loves me enough to say, you're not supposed to do that, Joel. And it's humbling, but that's okay because I learned from it. And that's what God wants for all of us. Are we, a lot of the problem with silent believers is we want the praise. We want the praise of other people. It's really bad for kids. It's like they want to be friends. And so I don't want to say anything because my friend is going to get upset with me. But it's the same way with adults. We need to desire the praise of God more than we desire anything, period. You're not going to stand in front of your friend when it comes to judgment day. Your friend never died to save you. Nobody ever did that but Jesus. That's who you're supposed to love. That's who you're supposed to, 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 to love with all your heart. Period. If your friend is really a friend, it's not going to make any difference. If they're not, like I said, maybe you need to get another friend. Maybe you need to find somebody that's like-minded. You need to make a commitment. That's what's wrong with our world. Nobody wants to make a commitment. I'll just stay over here. I'll do what I want over here. And then I'll go over here and I'll do this for a while. And then I'll do whatever. No, you need to make a commitment. You commit yourself to a life for Christ. Period. If you're a true believer, Jesus never promised that everything's going to be perfect. Hey, there's believers sitting here today that's been through all kinds of garbage and all kinds of junk in their life. People have heard them. Other Christians, okay? Doesn't matter. Keep your focus. Stay the course. Paul said keep on running. Keep on running for the end of the race. You don't focus on these other runners over here. You focus on what God's got for you. Stay the course. And you will... You will be rewarded. In John 14, verse 2, it says, and this is Jesus talking. He said, in my father's house, or he said, my father's house has many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you. I would have told you that I'm, I would, excuse me, I would have told you that I'm going there to prepare a place for you. But if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come back and I'll take you to be with me that where I am, you will also be. You know what? Jesus gave up his place in heaven. Hey, it was a nice cushy job up there, okay? He's in the presidential suite. He's got it made. Everything is perfect in heaven. He gave up his place in heaven to come down here on earth to be with, with, with you and, and me. He didn't even think twice about it. So he, so he did his job here on earth. And now the Bible says, and he said it, I'm, I'm going to prepare a place for you. So he's still working. He didn't say, well, the job's over now. I can just kick back and it's all done. No, he said, I'm still working. I'm preparing a place for you. So my question is, what are you doing? First, have you accepted Jesus? And second, are, are you working? Are you working for the kingdom? He didn't just save us so we could just sit on the pew each, each week. He saved us to make a difference in other people's lives. 
Your influence is more powerful than you have any idea at all. Your influence is huge. It's just like, it's just like this last week we sent, <coughs> we sent some money to Maisha Camille. Oh, thank you, church. We sent $5,000 to Maisha Camille, helped them buy the vehicle. Y'all gave, the mission committee matched it, we sent 5000 to help them buy that vehicle. That vehicle, and, and, and your love through that, is going to make a big impression on so many people. You can do that every day. You can do that every day by what you say, by what you do. Somebody is looking at you. Somebody is watching. Believer, it's up to us. It's not up to Ridge who stands up here most literally every Sunday. It's not up to me who's standing up here today. Yeah, I love to share the gospel. Yeah, I love to see people come to know Christ. It's not up to only me. It's not up to only to Ridge. It's up to each one of us. Each one of us sitting here today. Each one of us to make a difference in somebody else's life. We all have that opportunity, and we're commanded to do that. We're commanded to do that. So this morning, I'm going to ask you to do something for me. As we have, uh, y'all can come on back up. As we have invitation time this morning, I'm going to ask you to do something. I'm going to ask you nobody to get up and walk out. I'm going to ask no talking, no. I want us to focus on God. I want us to focus on Jesus Christ and what he's done for us. I want you to focus on where you are. Unbeliever, silent believer. If you're a believer, pray. Someone that you know is lost. But I'm going to ask you not to move around or not do anything. I'm asking you to stay focused on this time because this is God's time. This is God's invitation time. And your movement might distract somebody just long enough because it's hard, it's hard to let go of the back of that pew. Been there, done that. It's hard to let go of it. Don't distract anybody. Okay? But this morning I'm going to ask another thing. I'm going to ask that you fathers, this is Father's Day, that you fathers step out. That you fathers bring your family up here and pray over them today. That you fathers show, that, set that example and show others that you love the Lord. You commit to do that today. You commit to make a difference. And, and by your example, by your example, you confess me before others. That's confession. When you do that and other people see that. God sees it. Jesus sees it. When I stand before Jesus, I do not want him to say, uh, what is your name? Uh, I think, yeah, I think I knew a Joel, but I'm not sure you're right, Joel. No, when I stand before the Lord, I want him to say, hey, we're going to go meet Dad right now. That's how good of friends we are, because he knows me well enough that we're going to go meet Dad right this minute. That's the kind, that's, that's what I want to be, that's what I want for each one of y'all. So, fathers, I'm challenging you this morning to do that, to bring your family and pray for them. Not only today, but every day, amen? If you're an unbeliever, today is a day of salvation. Yeah, I know, you may be here next week, but you may not. People get killed every day on the road. You may have a heart attack tomorrow and die. I'm not trying to scare you, I'm just trying to tell you the truth. Whatever God's telling you to do today, join the church, get baptized, you've been, been, been a believer for a long time, never been baptized, following, following uh, Christ in baptism. How are we speaking to you today? How are we speaking to you? 
I'm going to ask that you be obedient and that you do that today. That you do that today. Let's pray. Thank you, Father, for allowing us to be here today. Thank you, Father, for, for your love, your mercy, and your grace. And God, this morning as we come to this time, I pray, Father, that you would speak to our hearts. And I pray, Father, that each one of us would listen individually. Each one of us would focus on ourselves, not the guy next to us, not thinking about what we're going to do in 10 minutes, but what we think about right now and what you'd have us to do. Father, I pray for the one here that does not know Jesus. I pray that today would be the day that they'd make that decision. I pray for those who need to recommit, who need to who, uh, see a change in their life as to how they present themselves as a believer to the world. I pray that th th that kind of decision be made. And God, I want to thank you for those that are believers, consistent, you can count on, rock-solid believers. And I just thank you for those that are in this church that have made a difference in my life and continue to point people to Christ. Father, I pray that this morning that you would, that you would uh, uh, just be here in a big time. Holy Spirit, as you move among us, we want to listen to you. We're here today. We're here today to do what you want us to do, to be the people you'd have us to be. And I ask this in the powerful name of Jesus, our Lord and our Savior. Amen.